there, welcome to Let's Talk, your one-stop pod for all things pop culture. Uh, thanks for joining us on our latest episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about Mindhunter on Netflix, focusing mainly on season two, but also looking at the at the first season as well, because it's a, a show that we've both enjoyed. Um, I'm Stu. Uh, how are you doing, Rory? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm quite excited to talk about this, because it's, it's been a, uh, it's a strange response to this, uh, this show, because it's a little bit underwhelming i think i think people love this show but it doesn't get you know the mass outcry of i because I, I think people process it do you know what i mean i don't think it's one of those things that uh, it's going to be interesting how we talk about it but it's it's quite a complicated show do you know what i mean it's not like it's got one moment where everyone goes that's the scene it's it's like the whole sequence the whole you know how many ever episodes there are in the season it's different do you know what i mean so it's going to take some interesting discussion to get to the bottom of why we kind of really love it uh before we delve into that just quickly what have you been watching or playing lately <sighs> playing nothing i'm <laughs> useless um honestly my consoles and whatnot just collect dust but yeah, watching uh, yeah various bits and pieces. Like I, I went back to the leftovers, which I think I might have talked about before. Um, which is a it was a HBO show. I think it ran from 2014 to 2017, and you would like it. It's really quite dark toned, but it's got quite a bit of an edge to it. Um, uh, guy, what's his name? Damon Lindelof is a showrunner and the writer. He did like Lost and World Wars Dead, and he wrote various bits and pieces. Um, but he, uh, quite notably, is going to be doing the Watchmen HBO series. So he's the showrunner for that, which gives me quite a lot of hope. Um, Leftovers kind of went under the radar, but it's a really good show. So I'm, I'm kind of, I went back, I picked up season two again, and I'm pretty much done with that. So on to the third season, which is supposed to be like the best by quite a margin. So... So that mostly, um, not many films lately, various documentaries, nothing that exciting, I'll be honest. Mm. Um, just kind of looking at stuff to pick up, really. I, I, you know, I, I think I said last time I watched a bit of the uh, Dark Crystal show on Netflix, which is good. Um, and I'm continuing to watch that. And I'm watching the second season of Chef, which is the John Favreau Netflix. Ah, yeah, with his celebrity show. pals. Yeah, it's less celebrity the second season, which I kind of like, because the first one felt a little bit gimmicky. Um, the second one's just more about getting down to the cooking, really. And it's a good show. He's, he obviously has massive passion for it. So, yeah, I've been kind of enjoying that as well. Well, I've been... I've watched... Like I said last time I just started Manifest. Well, I've finished that now. Um, it was good. It left uh, finished the first season on a bit of a cliffhanger, and it's I think it's due back. In it the is next renewed. Yeah, yes, it's due, isn't it, to come back? So I might check that out eventually. Um, I've been trying to do a bit more gaming lately, but I've been all the games that I had downloaded. I've just been starting them, hating them, and getting rid of them. Yeah, it's but hard, isn't it? I've I've finally settled on one, and I've finally gone back to the remastered version of Day of the Tentacle. Oh mate, you posted that on a group earlier on. It's it's one of my favourite ever games. I must admit. One one thing that's really good about it, you can actually change the art style. You can change it from that's the remastered cool. back to the old classic. It's the kind of game that doesn't need to look good um, no. because it always looks shit anyway. Yeah. Um, in the in the nicest possible sense, but for me, it's so funny. Like I know games aren't generally funny. There's not a lot of games you could say actually make you laugh. I don't think. Um, 
and then the Conker's Bad Fur Day, which for like a cartoon style game on the on the N64 was really funny because it was really dark and edgy, which just didn't fit. Do you know what I mean? Because it yeah. was like an episode of Family Guy or, or, or South Park or something. But um, but yeah, uh, Day of the Tentacle just oh man, there's so many funny elements in that. That it's such a really well put together game. And it was it was tough. I always remember. Found it really difficult at times to just remember what the hell you had to do because you travel through different. Is it like ugh, different times of uh, you, went you go to Hoagie goes two hundred years in the past and Laverne goes two hundred years in the future when the tentacles have taken over. I don't remember the future so much, but I remember the past a lot with like Benjamin Franklin and all the kind of stuff you had to do. Yeah, George Washington's in there, and I think Thomas Edison is at some point. Ben the Franklin. Work in that. Oh, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Some, some just... of the bits that uh, I've got to, I remember doing them. Like, as soon as you walk in, you see the chewing gum on the floor with a coin stuck in it. Oh, and I instantly always. remember you need the crowbar to get that out. And then you put that yep. in the bed machine upstairs. And some of the bits just come flooding back from like the 90s. The frozen hamster, I will never forget. The frozen time traveling hamster. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> that you have to then defrost oh. in the microwave. It's, it's one of those games you. If you played it and, and you you know played it and were patient with it and played it all the way through, you kind of never forget it. To be honest, which which says a lot because even if you don't talk about it, I haven't spoke about this game for a decade, two decades, whatever. But I still it all comes flooding back to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, it's it does. I, I still remember the way Laverne in the future she she says hello there, Mister Tentacle Guy, and as soon as she <laughs> said it for the first time, I went, oh my god, and it all just came came flooding back to me and it was brilliant oh, i've got to play this again you've it's got it, it, it cool i bought it off um playstation network for about six quid something like that and it was so so worth it i'm so oh, glad i did it even though it's only going to be a short game is it only short i thought it went on and on but when you're younger it obviously feels like that because you, you know that's the thing yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, anyway, no, I, I that's that's a cool thing. That's a good recommendation for anyone that's never heard of that game. Um, it's in the kind of it was in the point and click style of gaming, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's, it, it's the well, like I said before on this group, it was this Sam and Max and um, Monkey Crocodile Island. Sword and Monkey Island. They they, they were just yeah. the the games that you sunk so much time into because you were literally just in a room clicking on everything looking at it <laughs> yeah. trying to pick it up finding out that you couldn't pick it up and it, it it's was when it clicked weird. as well like you said with the chewing gum and the coin and, and when you finally did it it had a much more reward to it because you had to be really bloody patient on those yeah. games otherwise you just completely lost your shit and, go, and you've got to really engage the wrong side of your brain you've really got to think well, outside and i think the box. it was probably before walkthroughs kind of existed you know what i mean like now games are kind of ruined by the fact that people just go and google it yeah and i just think back then i don't think it would have existed so you would have just had to figure it out or you wouldn't have completed it and that was the thing you know so there's a certain amount of satisfaction from gaming back then when everything was i think a little bit harder um and yeah it was good it was good good shit yeah and speaking of good shit mind hunter onto nice. the uh, the subject at hand that's a segue um seamless so i mean uh, you know this has been in the works for a long time this show um i think finch's or at least pitched it to various networks over the years. He went back as far as I've read. I think 2009 he pitched it to really? HBO. Yeah. I did not so, know it had been in development for that long. 
Yeah, so it's the kind of thing that he, you know, I think everyone that knows David Finch's kind of body of work knows that the guy likes dark material. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. uh, he's attracted to um, crime and drama and thriller. I think he's the pioneering kind of director in the thriller genre. Uh, you know, of the modern era, I'm sure there's people that he idolizes and took a lot from in the past but yeah just quite a, quite an incredible guy and his body of work his films he's made are always kind of cutting edge and you know this is quite different actually because this is something that's quite straight if that's if, if that makes sense it, you know more, most of his films fight club um you know, uh, not Zodiac because this is the one that most replicates Zodiac. Um, but like Seven and Nightcrawler. Yeah, and maybe Gone. Uh, not uh, Nightcrawler's not one of his. I don't know if he produced it, but it's not one of his films. Um, but Gone Girl. Various things that always have a bit of a twist or a bit of a you know turn or a bit of a sting in the tail. And this this is very much kind of straight storytelling. Do you know what I mean? So it's a different narrative. It's a different feel. But in that way, it's kind of very much kind of Zodiac inspired, which although that film, which we both adore and will probably reference quite a bit, um, builds up and up and up, it doesn't ever really come to a conclusion. Um, and that very much is very similar to the second season of Mindhunter, I would say, where... Yes, you get some form of conclusion, but not the one that I think everybody wanted watching it, if that's fair to say. Um, so it's it's telling a story without doing it for a dramatic effect, without adding anything extra. It's using the real kind of source material, because this is obviously kind of a true story based on kind of uh, books and memoirs of, a, of an FBI agent who did this back in the day do you know what i mean for 25 years and kind yeah. of invented everything so that, that's the thing it's also it's it's based on real events isn't it but it's still been dramatized because the these guys ford and tench didn't exist but they're a composite of, of oh yeah yeah they're not real who did yeah because the behavioral sciences stuff was real it just didn't happen in the way they they portray no, the, it so the guy is it's based on real life experience of a guy called John Douglas, who was an agent who pioneered the practice of psychological profiling during his 25 years with the FBI. So, yeah, in essence, it's based on, you know, it, it's it's based on a, an unreal thing, which, you know, on a book called, true crime book called Mindhunter Inside FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit. So, yeah, everything you kind of see is real. A lot of the interviews, which are obviously very prominent in both seasons, I would say, but especially in the first season, are some of them are word for word, and obviously they are real serial killers. So it's it's really interesting how it plays out. Um, the, the one thing when I was reading the trivia about this, which I'll, I'll say before we crack on, which I've loved. So it's been in the works since 2009, but uh, Fincher approached HBO in 2013. Um, he recalls that they weren't interested in the show about two white guys in suits chasing serial killers. The following year, the first season of True Detective <laughs> aired on HBO. <laughs> now, that's just bad timing. Well, they rejected his concept in favour of <laughs> True Detective, which is two white guys 
um, FBI agents, obviously, in that first season. Um, so, yeah, so that's quite funny. Um, but, I mean, it's a passion project. I, you know, if, if, if Finch is stuck with it for that length of time, you could tell, you know, he really wanted to get it made. And you can tell why, because it is right up his alley, as we said, the storytelling, the approach. But for me, the thing that set it apart in the first season, and we'll talk about the details throughout, is is the setting and how real and authentic it felt. Because it is like just being transported back into the 60s and 70s. You know, everything, the details, you know, the, the smoke-filled rooms, the cars, the um, audio players, you know, the cassette when they when they record the the interviews things like that everything the sound detail it just feels like a film but on a on a tv scale do you know what i mean it yeah. feels that level of production and it just i don't know i find it intoxicating watching the show it just it sucks you in i don't think it lets you go until you've finished it yeah i i can't argue with that when it, it's one of those shows that you watch one you look at the time and then you go, okay, okay, one more, just just one more, and you find yourself getting. And then as soon, the last two minutes of each episode, you're going, but now I need to watch another one because I need to find out what happens. And the, the the way they construct the episodes is so good because it, the yeah. end of each episode is just a nice little teaser for the next one, and it just leads into it perfectly. I mean, the, the the main thing I've I've raved about has been the the casting and the portrayal of the killers. I mean, especially Cameron Britton with his portrayal yes. of Ed Kemper. It is chilling. That the first he... time I googled them and I looked at him, I went, "Yeah, that's him. That that's actually Kemper." And then I, I I put a video up the other day of the scenes versus the actual tapes yeah, that were yeah, taken, yeah. and. A lot of it is word for word. They, they've obviously taken some liberties with it, but the bulk of what he says, like when he was talking about his mom and why he committed the crimes and how many serial killers there were, this is in the first season in yep. North America, and he says, you know, I'm no expert. I'm just um, a very good killer who got away with it for 20 years or whatever he says. And that is word for word what Kemper actually said in guy. the same tone. I mean, the, the acting in that is is insane because... You know, it, it's hard to say about who is a defined serial killer. Obviously, this is a portrayal, but he's so charming. Do you know what I mean? That he's just so interesting to listen to. Do you know, that's what they find as well. I mean, that's what Holden throughout is. He's fascinated by what these guys have got to say. He's obsessed with it, especially Kemper in that first season, um, because he wants to know more, and he knows that the serial killers are the ones that are going to reveal the secrets because he can see you know into their mind a little bit especially the ones that are honest and open and want to show off essentially about how they did it um and so you know his his portrayal is is probably the finest bit of acting in the show but that said everything about it is pitch perfect i would say you know um all the lead characters are fascinating but everyone they interview as you said the casting is just insane, not just on how they look, which is absolutely spot on, but their mannerisms, on the way they deliver everything. Like you said, a lot of it is word for word, it's verbatim, but it's just so, so well put together. Um, 
it's it is just such a such an interesting show and and it's not really something that would really be mainstream in other senses. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, oh God, I know um, Netflix haven't announced season three yet, which is making me quite nervous. Um, but they are planning to do five seasons in total. And I think they'll back Fincher for it. But it's something that you wouldn't think is necessarily that commercial. Do you know what I mean? Because it's quite niche. It almost feels like you're watching a documentary at times, you know, like a really well-produced documentary. So for this to get very popular as it has, I think it just shows that culture in TV has come on a long way. Do you know what I mean? People wouldn't have committed 10 hours to watching this kind of show 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think... I love that Netflix has backed this project because I think it's probably the best thing they've ever produced. Yeah, and uh, a bold claim. The yeah. uh, the Manson stuff was interesting as well. And it was. I, I said to Michelle, I I was really intrigued to see if the Manson portrayal was as good as the Kemper one, and it is. Oh, it's like for like the guy who played Manson in this is also Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which came out ah, okay. this year, so it's exactly the same actor because he is perfect in terms of the look and the style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I can't wait till you watch that film actually because I think you'll really like it, and it's quite interesting because it ties in at least with the period of this. Do you know what I mean? Because it's obviously around that same kind of period in in Hollywood and and stuff. But um, I think everything Finch has done has kind of been building towards something like this show because he's obviously obsessed with. FBI profiling and serial killers and and you know the psychological side of the brain and what it does to people. So for him to get his hands on something like this, where he's the showrunner, he's got really good directors and producers, and you know he hasn't directed I don't think an episode himself, but he's really taken the full of the whole thing. It's it's his projects, his pet projects. So it's been really interesting to listen to him. He's he's talked about it quite actively, and and his you know, feelings towards it, because I think he genuinely loves it. You know, it's 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 exactly what he wanted to produce. So it's that's why it's really I think he's my favourite director, to be honest, at least. Right. He's, he's top three. So for me it's just like, yeah, this is T V perfection to be honest. And second season, if we're gonna focus a little bit on it it was quite different to the first. I mean, what did you feel like about the tone shift from being obviously in first, first episode, it sets up that the FBI is, is kind of changing a little bit. This is when the times kind of started to change and they started to appreciate what they've actually got here. Yeah. I, I like the tonal shift because I, I, I like the fact that they're dealing with the, the sort of the under, the understory of Bill is talking about all these things, the the nature versus nurture thing, and then at the same time he's got this exact same thing happening at home with his kid. And there's just so many moments when you can see that he's really being torn between the personal side of I don't want to believe that our son, albeit adopted, is is evil or is messed up, but his professional side is saying everything that your work tells you says that this kid is messed up and that there is something seriously wrong with him. He's exhibiting classic signs of like either a sociopath or psychopath or deviant behavior. And it was very, very interesting. And it's interesting to see the way his relationship with Nancy just completely 
breaks down over it because she just can't accept that he's got this job to do and she's left at home with a kid that she gradually begins to resent and it's very 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 awkward to watch at times but in in a good way yeah it is interesting because he's the one holden is the one that's extremely into it i think Tench does it because he's he's an FBI man. He's interested in catching the killer. Do you know what I mean? He's he's more interested, I think, in that side of it. Whereas Holden and I've forgotten her name, but the the the, the professor that Wendy Wendy that comes into it, she's obviously interested more in the psychological side of things. And so to pick his his character to have that situation outside of work, which. I thought it was a really smart play actually because it it's the kind of character you know he enters a room and he's he's very likable he's got big charisma he's got big presence do you know what I mean he knows how to play a room with all the kind of um people above him do you know what I mean it, you know in terms of the FBI and Holden is obviously extremely one track minded yeah and, and he's woefully, um, woefully inadequate terrible. when it comes to these things yeah, exactly. So they're, they're just chalk and cheese. I mean, that's what's so interesting about them when they're in the interview room because they are just so opposite. Um, and Holden just got that incredible habit of getting them talking. Do you know what I mean? Because he just knows how to push the buttons. And it's a very different feel. But this this season was great with that because you kind of knew there was something wrong with the child. They'd hinted at things, I think, in season one. I think, did he see his case file on a murder scene or something at one stage yeah the, the kid out. In, in the first season because he he said this year at uh, this season when they had the the case worker visit and she said do you ever you know keep yeah. any of your stuff at home and he said it's always locked in his office and i remember in the first season there was a bit where the kid went into his room and he had photos of, of one of these horrendous oh, crime yeah, yeah. scenes all over the desk and the kid started looking at them yeah I and that. and that's obviously gonna have messed him up a little bit possibly yeah i mean it implied that without having to hit you over the head with it do you know what i mean and obviously this is two years back so we i think the recap actually for this was really good because i I didn't watch the first season twice obviously it's something you probably don't revisit but um but the recap at the start of season two just maybe didn't show that but obviously reminded you of a lot of what had gone on it, it was um, a good recap they did well to condense it all into like three four minutes whatever it was yeah something we're totally incapable of doing um but when we do these podcasts of, of actually condensing this this stuff but yeah they it was a really really well well played out you know thing because you you just remembered how good that first season was really i think it was it wasn't groundbreaking because there's been a lot of great television in the last few years, but it certainly felt like up there. Do you know what I mean? With the best stuff that you, you've seen in the last few years. It felt different to True Detective, obviously, in a lot of ways, but equally interesting. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 less drama, more fact. You know, it's 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 different. So, um, But it's no less engrossing. Um, and this season was really interesting because it, it focused in on the the way the FBI was changing. So throughout the whole of Mindhunter, it has been a lot about the the development of the profiling of, of what that brought to the FBI. And I think this is mainly before the use of DNA was was a regular thing, wasn't it? Because you know, even in this season, it confirms that there was DNA findings in the boot of his car 
but they can't use that in a court of law, whereas nowadays that's completely different. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it shows even in 40 years, 50 years now probably, but the evolution of, you know, well, we, we've talked about making a murder, so maybe it's not always used correctly, DNA evidence, let's be honest. Um, but in a lot of cases, you know, the DNA evidence is such a hard fact of, of cases nowadays. And that's just when that started to to kind of kick in. But the, the big thing for them is about the profiling. You know, he mentions the word serial killers quite. They use it a lot more as these, you know, the seasons and episodes develop, I think. Yeah, because um, in cause, the beginning they were calling them like spree killers or something like that. And I think they, they were the ones that first coined the phrase. Yeah. Um, which, and was, it, which, which was great because you start to think that's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to because serial killing's been around for for a long time, but they've never got into the mindset of why people did it. Do you know what I mean? Which is which ultimately they're doing that to stop potentially future proof, isn't it? That's what they were thinking at the time. It's yeah, it's a case of identifying people quicker. Um, and everything that happened in with Atlanta, I think the yeah. major case. Yeah, I, um, I as soon as that finished, I read up on that. Yes, me too. Because I, I I wanted to while we were going through, but I, I, I just kept saying I'll see something about a suspect or what what happened at the end. Well, and I, I don't didn't know whether it, it was entirely real. I didn't know that whether that was dramatic or not. So uh, what, what the end of it, I did read into it as well, and and obviously it's it's cold hard facts. It's very much like the Zodiac killer, isn't it? Which obviously was different because someone didn't get caught for that. Um, but they didn't ever pin all those murders on the, the one guy who, again, I'm not sure who the actor is that played that part, but he was fascinating in this role. Yeah, he was. The I, I read up on the on the Atlanta stuff, and it, of course it, they give you the little post thing at the end where you, yes. you find out that nothing really happened as a result of it you know that the guy was well, charged got, with the did he two get tried for two he got tried for the adult murders the yeah and he's long been suspected of the child murders but he, they've never been able to prove it no because they've never tried to and it's exactly as they said the the, the parents felt really let down and disappointed by it because they haven't got anything like closure it's just been a case of well, well he probably did it but we're not actually going to pursue it was it Wayne Williams? Yeah, Wayne, so Wayne Christopher, Burton Williams. Yeah, the actor is Christopher Livingston, who's someone I'm going to look out for, because I found him, actually he's done barely anything before, to be honest, so to be cast in this, because it was quite a significant role. He he took the police, um, FBI, on a bit of a, a trail, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? Because he was so cocky, didn't he buy them KFC or something equivalent to that at one stage when they were training his he, car? He went in and bought them like, chicken and chicken and chips or milkshakes or something like that yeah because <laughs> it, it was such an interesting ploy that because he came over the bridge and it did feel quite arduous at that point you, you know the thing about the show i think when you're watching those episodes of them doing those night sequences and they're all just completely maxed out because they had no real surveillance back then obviously now cctv and everything is everywhere whereas back then it's all people do you know what i mean that's all they had to do it they had surveillance by people following other people um just watching it was exhausting 
It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was just like Christ. You could feel the tiredness from each of them. I think it was like 40 days, weren't they, watching that? Yeah, that four, 40 bridges. days and nights. Yeah. And they were doing like 12-hour shifts. Yeah, and, and and they edited that scene so well that you actually felt it. It yeah. felt a little bit Game of Thrones-esque, you know, when um, Samwell is cleaning out the, the portaloos and serving... Yeah, when he first goes sludge. to Old Town. Yes, and it just felt a little bit like that sequence where you're just like, Christ... It, this feel you, you felt their pain essentially that they were going to these lengths, and they finally got that thing where they heard the splash, but they couldn't confirm it. And the most frustrating thing is they had evidence in his car because he had did he have hand ties or, or he had he had a big long length of nylon rope and he had some gloves and he said oh they're nothing to do with me they're all um it's all my uncle's stuff uncles. And, and they let the evidence get away and it was all because of a stupid bloody rookie cop because yeah. holden said to him document all the evidence but he never said document and he just tape. wrote it down yeah, so he wrote down like... nylon rope and then of course when they go back the next day the car's been valeted um he's been seen burning things outside and all that stuff's yeah. gone and when they ask him oh no my uncle must have cleaned his car out it's just like oh my god and the guy was screaming guilty do you know what i mean yeah. like he fit holden's profile to the absolute t and that was the thing that kept going throughout this season was they kept doubting holden's skill set because they're like what if it's a white guy? And he was like, well, no, because they wouldn't trust a white guy into the neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? It was all that kind of conversation. And, and it was, he was obviously fighting against the mayor. He was fighting against local police. Cause again, Holden is almost a nobody at this point. He's known in the FBI, but to people on the street, regular cops, regular, he's you know, just some crap FBI. FBI agent with all these grand they theories. They just think he's they? a crazy guy. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's yeah, exactly. He's just, who's made a bit of a name for himself, but, but not, he's not anyone superior to them. He's nothing above them in terms of the level. So, it was really interesting how his relationship and then his relationship with the mums of all the children that have been killed, essentially, or, or gone missing. Um, and I thought, you know, Holden is the kind of central character to all of this. Obviously, the, the two of them are the key. I think they focused a lot less on Wendy this season, um, which was interesting. I mean, she had, did have moments, but it was more about her personal life than her actual work life, yeah. which I thought was interesting. I think they could do more with her, if I'm honest. I think she's got more scope. Um, but we didn't really spend much time with the actual FBI as the season developed. It just became about this specific case. You know, there was a lot less interviews. Um, so, you know, it's the kind of show that just left you wanting a whole lot more, I think. I, I'm desperate to see where they take it next when it actually happens or if it happens. Oh, I, I think it's a case of when, because we've also got all the stuff in the background with the BTK killer, which was just literally a, a couple of minutes each episode. So we oh, see yes. him having a creepy asphyxia wank and his wife catches him and <laughs> then she's kicked him out onto the... Um, onto the couch and got him a book about dealing with deviant behavior and then he buries his creepy wanking kit and you're just seeing little bits and they're obviously setting him up to be the um, yeah. sort of like the big bad of, of the third season yeah I think that's fair to say I think it's it's interesting um, because 
they'll always have like a central character or something there they're following but yeah um but it's all there's much more to it than that do you know what i mean it's 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 just I don't know, man. It's clever TV. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's very it's clever. Really, it's really layered TV. It's really clever TV. It kind of keeps you guessing. It keeps you wanting more. Um, and it's something that I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people recommend to people. I think it's a kind of show that does do well. And, you know, Netflix now release their, like, top 10 watched shows on a weekly kind of basis, which is just that I'm sure there is scientific evidence behind it, but they never share the actual they do share specifics when it's broken records, like we talked about. I don't know what show it was or what film, that Adam Sandler film that had been watched like 20 million times in, in the weekend or yeah. something insane. Um, but it's always done well on their numbers. Do you know what I mean? People are tuning in to watch it. So obviously it's got a bit of a crowd. And it, I mean, critics obviously adore this kind of stuff because Finch is liked. Do you know what I mean? His, his work is always well liked. Um, We've got a couple of questions, or not major, because I, I put it out there for people. Um, differences between one and two um, from Hefty Horse. Which would, you, which did you enjoy better? Um, discuss season two being like a brother to Zodiac. Is this one of Finch's finest works? I think I actually. Questions? I probably think I enjoyed. I don't know from from a personal level I enjoyed one more, but from the crime side of things I enjoyed two more because they were more established and it was a lot more of them just getting out there and doing things. Whereas obviously the the first season it was very much they were they, they were struggling they were to be taken seriously. Holden solved the case in the first season, didn't he? About the was it the brother and sister that killed the person in the bathroom? can't remember the specifics of it. I remember him solving something. Ideally, I did want to go back and watch the first season again. So there was a first season he did solve something, but it did take a couple of episodes rather than the bulk of the season. Like I said, it did shift in terms of narrative and tone this season, I think. It was more about that Atlanta case, and it never really went back to anything else. So they are very different. I kind of don't think you can separate them that much. I think they're just all one body of work if that makes sense yeah. it doesn't you know it feels like a more of a continuation than a, it's not true detective is it do you know what i mean it's no. not it's not completely it's 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 very follow-on so i i don't think it's easy to do that um is it a brother is it similar is it like a brother to zodiac i mean we've discussed already yes i'd say yeah, so it, it's 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 pretty close in the way it does things. I I would love them to to get to the Zodiac Killer because that that's yeah, kind of too. what they've done along with BTK, and I love the fact they're picking on some of the more well known um, and the lesser known as well. Killers. Do you know what I mean? I think it's good to throw in both. I think the Manson thing was actually really interesting. Um, it was so cleverly done because they didn't make that big a deal out of it. It was no. he was just that one scene and that was it which yeah, are like it would have been so easy to just go yeah yeah we'll just put charles manson in there and make the whole series about him and he's literally just one scene yeah i thought that was a really good touch actually i, I genuinely did I, I i was glad it didn't i i thought it might 
dominate when they mentioned they were going to do Manson. I thought, oh, Christ, you know. And and it was funny because they obviously mentioned that they've got him Manson. They, you know, they've got Manson to interview, and for them, it's like in it's like meeting meeting your um, hero or icon for Holden. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you know he's at the time the most famous criminal there was. Do you know what I mean? He, he was just yeah. He was just infamous, and so it was. Yeah, it was an interesting take on it. Um, is this one of Finch's finest works? I mean, for me, yes. Um, just because I get David Fincher to make a a TV show, which which is basically like a long film of his, basically. So yeah, for me, pretty much. Can't complain. I would watch anything Finch has done except one of the really dodgy alien films which I think he did yeah. um, but I think everything else he's done is pretty much perfection to be honest I mean his list of films is like I said I think second to none really so I mean Seven Gone Girl Social Network which is Sadly. fascinating um, well Curious Case of Benjamin Button yeah I'm really. I only watched it once, and I can't remember it at all. Um, Panic it, Room. It is quite forgettable, to be fair. Panic Room has got some good moments. I would say um, I quite enjoy that film. Um, Fight Club, obviously, the game, which is incredible. Seven, and then a load of music videos um, and Alien Free, which we will forget about. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do a lot, which is. You know, he's quite picky, he's quite choosy what what he does, except music videos, because Christ, he made a lot of music videos. Um, but, you know, for him to pick up a, a project like this is, is, is really interesting. His next project he's doing, he's writing and directing about, I don't know, the guy who was wrote or something to do with Citizen Kane I don't know it's some black and white film it's interesting but it's not what I'd want him to do I kind of want more of this but I guess if Mindhunter is still in development then that's great we'll get more of his Zodiac style filmmaking which which is great I mean this made me want to go back and watch Zodiac which is a compliment in itself do you know what I mean because it's the kind of film that I mean it's it's a it's it's like three hours long so it's not like we all have a lot of time to sit down and watch something that length of time. Because it's the kind of film you want to watch and not stop. It's not a two-night film, is no, it? No, God, I mean? no. It's a full... It's too you tense. You want to give it your full tension. I must admit, the, the sequence in the basement of Zodiac, do you know that really tense sequence? Um, I can't remember when he goes, why he goes around to that guy's house, but there's a sequence where he goes into the basement and the lights are out. And, and Jake Gyllenhaal's in the basement, and it's one of the tensest scenes yeah. I, I can remember in film or TV history. And it always just gets my heart racing. Like, he, he has a way of, Jesus, he has a way of really racking up the tension in these things. Um, and that's what I think the second season did, to be honest. You, you wanted him to catch that killer because he was obsessed by it. Holden's whole life just became that, basically. Um and, and you can see towards the end, he takes it so personally yes. when when he's not able to to get the justice for all the the Atlanta mums. Yeah, and and she even says to him, "Doesn't she don't make promises?" And he does. He he promises that he'll be back, and then of course he gets told that, as far as they're concerned, the case is closed, and that's it. And his face drops, and he realizes he's made a promise to these women, and straight away he's going to have to 
completely and it is on crazy it. if you just take a step back from it that no one's ever been charged with what 28 murders is it it I mean, was it something was 27 28 uh, it's crazy that anyone could ever get away with that do you know what i mean like uh, you know and i think what it what it was really honest about is that it was trying to say at that point um, in america and you know maybe reflects a little bit on modern day that certain you know areas of the population you know maybe the less white ones if we put it that way are not cared about enough do you know what i mean it wasn't a big deal that multiple dozens of children were going missing do you know what i mean like no one gave a shit and that's what those moms were obviously certainly first and foremost caring about their own children but also the bigger picture that no one gave a shit you know and, and the real that. reason why nobody wanted to do anything about it was simply because it was bad pr yeah and and it, it was even worse pr when holden came in and said we're looking for a black guy because it would have been so much easy to to make it a uh, a, a race crime. Yeah, they were talking about the clan quite a lot in those early parts of that, where it yeah. was easy to say, you know, the black people in the community were revolting because they they were, you know, adamant it would have been Ku Klux Klan, and, and Holden was obviously adamant and, and quite rightly that it it wouldn't have been because it it, it was the way they were being taken, you know, and that was, I mean, it is such a fascinating show, but you could just listen to Holden talk all day, I think. I could anyway, personally. I think the way they've portrayed that character and the way he gets into the minds of serial killers in, in the show is just incredible. The, the stuff think... with Son of Sam was really, really interesting when... Because he, he, the, the bit where he sort of confesses to, you know, the whole, the dog told me. Oh, he, gotcha. he, he, he did actually confess that eventually. And he, he he did admit that he was doing it all because that's what people expected. People wanted yeah. him to be a, a weirdo who was hearing things. And it was just so interesting to hear all that stuff, knowing that it's based on real events, even though it might not be word for word, the exact dialogue that was, um, no. that was used. It's, it's a very, very, it's an easy show to watch, I find. Yeah. It's not like a lot of things where you have to be in the mood to watch it. You could, I could just put it on, and if if you know family situation was a little bit different, I could have just sat down and watched that over a day or a weekend without a moment's hesitation. But like you said, it's the kind of thing that you watch, but then you want to read more about. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not a, a great reader. I you know I, I really aren't. <laughs> I can't deny that. I watch a lot of TV and I get. You know, I read various bits and pieces and articles and stuff, but it's quite rare I'll sit down and read a book. This kind of thing that makes you want to read about FBI profiling. Do you know what I mean? It makes you want to delve deeper into the to the, the mindsets. And I mean, a lot of people listen to true crime podcasts and watch documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong, I've watched a lot of, of those that are really high quality and good production, and they do keep you interested. But when they're done, obviously with a dramatic twist like this is, it just it just ups the stakes a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And obviously that's what it's designed to do, but it's no less effective. It really it makes you want to read about all this stuff that happened in the seventies because it it's just fascinating. It, it is it's genuinely fascinating because, like we said, nowadays with DNA, with uh, CCTV, with kind of advanced protocols 
minds like this are still needed, but they're not as important. But then back then, you know, it was it, it was cutting these edge. people were cutting edge. They were they were doing things. They were breaking ground that had never been broken before. So to kind of have that play out. It's just, yeah, it's just fascinating to be honest, and yeah, I just, I just kind of want more, <laughs> um, and and that's kind of, you know, where I'm I'm at with it. It's it's I'm waiting for that season three to be announced, and I'm waiting to see what comes next. To be honest, because um, it's yeah, it is it's a brilliant thing. Yeah, well, we were, we were both fans of it, and. We we do tend to watch a lot of true crime and, and like you say, we then go and read about it. But I'm now having to not read about BTK because I know the name, yeah, but I, do. I don't know the ins and outs as much as I do with like the son of Sam and uh, Richard Ramirez and obviously Charles Manson. So, Do you know I, a lot about Manson? That intrigues me. And I, I know didn't. quite a lot because he's one of the ones. I've always been fascinated with reading about serial killers and, and the various ongoing cases. And when you go on Wikipedia, you always end up going like 10 pages deep because you'll see, a oh, it, it's related to this thing and you'll click on that. And then you'll go, but that's related to this other thing. And you just keep going. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to go reading about BTK because I don't want to give away what is probably going to happen in season three no so that that's quite annoying because we, we've probably only seen that guy for less than about maybe 15 minutes in total 10 minutes across the whole season just these little snippets yeah and it is interesting I, they did that in i don't know who the killer in season one they did that with was it btk as well or was it somebody else because it no. was one in season one they kept hinting at someone else um and it was just interesting how they do that because they are just, it's not that subtle, but they are dropping kind of, they're just trying to explain to you that even though you're following this case, more shit was going on. Do you know what I mean? That like all the major events were happening in the United States at that time. Um, it was, you know, it's the kind of pioneering time for when FBI's, anything you read about documentaries, anything you see, obviously, Things nowadays have moved on to. It's uh, very sad to talk about it, but like mass shootings in the states. Do you know what I mean? That's what happens now. It's 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 a very different time in in America. But these shows that focus back to you know getting into the mindset of that stuff, and I guess that's still very important today. Because you know why would someone pick up an automatic rifle and shoot X amount of people? Do you know what I mean? It's the same kind of principle and. It's interesting to think, though, this really could go. I mean, I I don't think it will. I suspect they'll probably do another maybe two seasons and then wind up. But they could realistically go for like 10 years because there's so much material to go there. And if all they're doing is mirroring the the real-life development of of crime and um, detection then there's no reason why they couldn't just move from case to case, killer to killer, technology to technology, and just keep constantly up- updating You know what they're doing. It's, it's not exactly like it's a bottomless pit, but there's a huge pool of, of things that they could draw on. Yeah. And yeah, I, exactly. I, I, 
I would love to see it go just on and on and on as long as it stayed this quality because I'm just such a fan of anything true crime. I mean, we, yeah. we say all the time, it's think, one of the I best things about Netflix. Yeah, I think the documentaries, I mean, like I said, I, I've been watching a lot more documentaries this year and a lot more kind of true, real stuff. I always used to watch things in relation to wildlife and travel and all that kind of stuff. But Netflix has really introduced quite a key section of of kind of brilliantly done documentaries and, and very interesting, but also like really well produced and well put together. I think in the past, you know, you had those dodgy channels on Freeview or Sky or whatever, like Alibi or I don't oh, know. Oh God, I love those. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get me wrong, mate. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, but, and they were always really interesting, but they were always done in like, Oh, it's the, it's like know, the epitome of low with, budget. Yeah, a room with like a handy cam, you know, like on a stand and just someone asks a question off screen and then you just go in a deep booming voice. You've got the ominous music plays and it's like, but little did she know what was waiting around the corner when she got (laughs) home and dun dun dun. It was just such a, it it felt, they feel very 90s, do you know what I mean? It felt. And the rest, they feel more 80s than Manhunter. Yeah, probably. Mindhunter, god damn it. Mindhunter. Well, at least you got it right most of this time. Um, uh, yeah, we had a... Stu won't keep it in, um, but Stu pronounced the episode wrong quite quite, quite wonderfully. Yeah. Um, you've woken up a little bit since then, I think, having spoken about this show. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting, those kind of documentaries. But I think Netflix really have cornered a market in it because they've gone... Fuck, people like this stuff. Do you know what I mean? They they genuinely like these shows. They like documentaries. They like um, hey, people are fascinated by crime, aren't they? Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, I always have been, and I I totally understand it. I'm more surprised if if someone says to me they're not interested in true crime. I'm more surprised by that than if somebody says to me like, oh, Mind Hunter making a murderer. I love things like that because I love true crime. Because to me, it's just it's exploring the parts of the human mind that otherwise you might not understand because yeah i I did psychology at like a level and stuff and and a lot of of, a lot of it was was to do with this actually it was to do with criminal psychology because yeah the the, the whole nature versus nurture thing you know in a month talking about freud and his penis dreams yeah exactly i mean psychology uh, at that level was quite basic but i think i very nearly was a psychologist i had a I was at a fork in the roads and I was it was either go towards computing and IT or follow psychology and I yeah, only didn't I go towards psychology. Yeah, I only I did because I spoke that. to a um like a careers counselor in at the end of oh, my yeah, first year like yeah. and he said basically to to actually get a job in psychology because I wanted to be a child psychologist. Yeah. Um, and he said you've literally got to be like in the top 1% in the country to get the job uh, so you've not just got to be good you've got to well. be the best and i was like i haven't got the application i no, could I'm be good lazy. but i couldn't be the best <laughs> I, i'm i'm happy to admit i haven't got i am too lazy to do that you know like i could never do medicine because it means no, too much I, work I, yeah exactly yeah i don't I, I don't think i'm academic by nature i i think i'm naturally smart enough ish but like I, I, I could never apply myself to something that complicated because i just it just wasn't in me i preferred to work than i did to actually study so it's a little bit tricky um but yeah it's it's it is interesting because it is the kind of show that 
makes you reevaluate your opinions on things. Do you know what I mean? It makes you want to go and explore more true crime. Um, it's brilliant for going through Wikipedia dives. It really yeah. is. I mean, if, if you just go and look up Son of Sam and then you get to yeah. the bottom and it'll be like sea related and you'll have uh, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez and Charles Manson and then you click on one of them and you just keep going and you'll spend literally Christ, two, you, three hours. You are hours. like Holden without this, the edge, aren't you? you I, I, I really am. Me and Michelle are both. It's one of the things we've we've got in common, like really yeah. strongly. We are both fascinated with true crime and we both love serial killer documentaries and stuff because when we watch this, we're going, oh, yeah, straight away, as soon as we saw the son of Sam, I went, that looks exactly like him because I've seen him yeah. in, in things before. And, and they did that. So I mean, that's what alley. they did in that show. Yeah, exactly. I, I knew. I knew once you got talking about it because it's one of those shows that really is. It's so well put together. I mean, it's just so high in quality, but it's it's the content. You know, it's it's the scripting. It's the way it's produced. You just it, all the words are probably there for them to use, but the way they put it together just makes you want it. It just it's engrossing, like I said at the start, and that's what's so good about it. You just could watch it all day, uh, but I, I can't reiterate how real and authentic it feels. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it feels like feel a like documentary. You're in the 70s, yeah. If you don't like the cars and the the buildings and every part of it, like the typewriters and the, do you know what I mean? Everything in there from all the sound of it as well as the way it looks it's just absolutely pitch perfect yeah. i think are they smoking throughout as well i kind of forget but i think they probably yeah, are Bill smokes everywhere. like a chimney <laughs> exactly which is um, something you don't actually see a lot of anymore isn't it because it's just not done but like he no, smokes everywhere he smokes yeah. in in the car in work around kids yeah i said i went back and watched um ghostbusters right with the kids a couple of times always around halloween and they smoke throughout that. <laughs> and it's just like, this is weird. Yeah, you know Ray, I mean? Ray smokes, doesn't he? Yeah, like a chimney throughout the film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like at all times, he's got a fan hanging out, even when I think he's trying to use the, the guns and the you know all the kind of stuff. It's just amazing. Um, but you just don't see it now. So, I mean, just a thing like that obviously sets it off, but it's all the subtle stuff. I mean, it's all the Fincher stuff. He is such a kind of, attention to detail freak he is obsessed with getting it perfect because and i don't think there would have been one scene where something isn't exactly in the place it's supposed to be do you know what i mean he's just got ocd he's just a perfectionist um but that's to his credit yeah that's that's exactly it that makes the difference to me because i think some of these shows that we talk about and watch sometimes they're great don't get me wrong but sometimes you know, True Detective Season 3 was perfect, wasn't it? We said that. We really loved that. And I can't fault it at all. Um, and that just did amazing things with jumping those timelines in different eras. And you felt every part of being in the 70s in that show. Do you know what I mean? And and it makes it all the 60s, 70s, when it when it flashed back to when they were younger. Um, and, and it makes all the difference because it's so much more believable. You know, uh, obviously this show is based on real events or some some real events but it, it just makes it i don't know it really does make the difference so yeah i think this is at the minute probably my favorite show of the year um i'd, I'd probably agree with that I've, I've just had a quick look it still hasn't officially been I know. um 
renewed, but there, there was something that was out at the start of September that was saying because Finch is working on a film at the minute, they yeah, think it might not be started on for another couple of years. Yeah, and I think they're probably happy to buy the time. I mean, he did what did he do for them? Um, the thing that Spacey was in before Spacey. How to cards? Yes, so he was a producer on, or he was a showrunner for that, which I have only watched like the first season of, and then it kind of fell off. Um, um, again, it was, it was very good quality TV, to be fair. But um, it, I think he's got a good, long-standing relationship with Netflix. Do you know what I mean? So I think if he said, "I want to do two more seasons," they'd probably say, "Yeah, you, David Fincher." So you know, I, I think we're in fairly safe hands there. I think something like the OA, which I don't think you watched, did you? Or I haven't either. No. No. So the OA is the weird sci-fi trippy thing on Netflix that's been cancelled. Uh, I watched seasons. like one and a half episodes and it was boring me to tears. Yeah, I think it's it's very well acclaimed and I think I, I would maybe like to get around to watching it, but when something's been cancelled, it's like, do I or not? Do you know I, what I mean? I wouldn't it's that bother now. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my feelings. I will, uh, there are a few things. Fargo, I've been meaning to watch on Netflix. It's another one of their, I think it's, I think it's their show rather than, but it might be an ABC thing. Um, but the, you know, there's a lot of that good quality TV content on, on Netflix. Um, but they want to keep, you know, with Apple TV kind of creeping up, which is again another thing. And obviously Disney Plus. Um, they really are taking really good directors and, and offering them projects. And you'd want to keep someone like Finch on board. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. not a guy you want to lose because... Someone else will snap him up. Yeah, exactly. Apple will just go, double the budget, make whatever you want. You I know, mean, pretty it, It's much. like the whole James Gunn situation, isn't it? They they will be waiting to, to poach anyone they can. And yeah. if there was any kind of a delay they'll just be there and they'll just offer him stupid money and say, we'll come over and direct a show for us, full creative control, because they know that he'll pull he'll pull numbers in. Yeah. Do you know, um, I think Netflix is, or Prime, Netflix or Prime, I don't know which one, I think Netflix have done that for Patty Jenkins, which is quite interesting. They've given her a license, about that. I think a license might have to make me. her own show and just go, there you go run with it do you know what i mean like we'll sign you up for like a a deal a non-exclusive you know like you can come and make a show for us and if you've got an idea we'll we'll work on it yeah a deal of 10 million dollars um wow which is cool that happened a couple of weeks ago um but it, it's interesting so they link yeah it's like a multi-year deal so it's it's interesting that's going to happen more now you're going to get these kind of big acclaimed directors going yeah, I want a deal with you guys. You know, sign me up and I'll come and produce you a show for the next five years uh, or something like that. Or I'll produce you multiple shows. I mean, they've done it obviously with Adam Sandler, which to a lesser degree works, you know, um, if that's what you want to watch um, on Netflix. I'm sure there's a lot of Adam Sandler content there now because he's got like a six movie deal or an eight movie deal. And I think Jennifer Anderson is quite similar to that. And so. It's just the way they're going to go. It's 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 a you know actors are going to want that, aren't they? They're going to want that reliability in the in because cinemas and the landscape of things have changed. So yeah, it's going to be interesting what kind of happens next with all this more subscription based content coming. Um, I mean, where 
how many can you subscribe to? Do you know what I mean? When's the limit? Well, yeah. You know, so it's all going to get a little bit extreme. I mean, Seinfeld and Netflix are losing friends, but they've signed they've signed up to get Seinfeld on all their platforms like across the world for five hundred million dollars. That that is a sum of money I just cannot even comprehend for TV. It's mad, isn't it? That just defies logic. I mean, I'm I'm not that big a fan of Seinfeld, to be honest, no, so it kind uh, of baffles me even more. But I understand yeah. it's got a real cult status and they, they needed something because they're losing friends and the office. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's But it's 2021. It's like, I, why, why is this coming out now? But it's because they're all trying to play ahead. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's such a weird... It's just such a weird kind of thing we're we're getting into, you know, with all of these networks and stuff doing their own thing and subscriptions. It's the whole world is based on subscriptions now, isn't it? So it's pretty it's much gonna change. Yeah, it's going to change quite significantly. We we um, we were going to move to a subscription uh, type service, but we realised we've both got mortgages to pay and we like living in our houses with our families, so we scrapped that idea. Yeah, exactly. Um. Right, that's it from us. Um, I hope all five of you have enjoyed this podcast. If you like what you hear, just subscribe on iTunes or your podcasting podcasting platform of need. Um, give us a nice rating. That would be lovely. Um, and keep spreading the word. We are due a rebrand. It will happen, I promise. Um, and we are going to talk about something other than TV eventually. <laughs> it's been Maybe. very TV heavy, but I think that's because our lives have kind of centered around staying indoors a lot of the time because we both have kids and yeah. it's hard. Um, but, you know, I think there are some, it's been a quiet year for games, hasn't it? Let's be honest. I'd say it's not yeah, been, a been a big lull. Year. Big lull this year because I think they're waiting for the next major kind of uh, console releases like PlayStation 5 and Xbox, whatever the hell it's going to be called. Um, so, but around Christmas, that'll all pick up. Um, and film-wise, yeah, we are going to go and see Joker, I think, uh, maybe independently. So we probably will review that, which would be interesting. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going watching it. I've got to yeah. see what all the hype's about. It, yeah, it's getting I'm definitely such good going well. I'm not. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm not that no, stupid. No, I think it's good to go. And, uh, I think it'll be an interesting film to talk about. Um, obviously, I always say it, but Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favourites, so I am excited about it. Um, and then... Yeah, there's probably some other big releases towards the end of the year. But it, it's, I mean, crazy to say it's coming into TV season when Netflix and Amazon are dropping a new show every week at the minute. But it's when all TV kind of gets a bit bigger, isn't it, in the winter and yeah. stuff when, you know, so it's going to be, I reckon it's still just, it's got to be the biggest platform now. You know, theatrical, cinematic TV has just grown crazy this year with all the competition. So, yeah, quite excited is what to come. And we might eventually talk about some music, but you never know. Um, right, keep listening. We'll be back with you with a new episode next week. <laughs>